0: Welcome to MedTech Africa, the podcast where we showcase digital health and health tech innovations from across the African continent. I'm your host, Sam Oti. On today's episode, I am honored to be speaking with Frida Katunda Olsen. She is the CEO and co-founder of LeapEdTech. LeapEdTech is an online healthcare education platform for Africa. They offer contextualized, accredited courses for healthcare professionals, and their mission is to create lasting healthcare change across the African continent. You could think about them as the Coursera for health education in Africa. This is going to be a very, very insightful and exciting conversation, so thank you for joining in. Hello, Frida. Welcome to MedTech Africa. It's a great pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today and where are you at the moment?
1: Thank you, Samuel, for having me. I am doing wonderful. It is sunny here in Norway. um, So I am just soaking it up all in before the winter comes.
0: Wow, Norway. I have never been there. (laughs) You know, anytime a guest tells me where they're at, I try to locate it. If I've not been to that place, I try to, you know, identify with the nearest place that I've been to or the closest place that I've been to. And in your case, I think it would be Sweden. I've been to Umeo in Sweden and it was absolutely amazing. I think I went there in summer. And so it was daylight the whole time. It was insane. I wake up at midnight and I'm like the sun is still out. What? <laughs> is that is that the situation where you're at in Norway?
1: Yeah, so now the sun is setting around 10 p.m., but in wow. May and June, I mean, it was it barely never ever set at 12 midnight. It would feel very dusk and then at 2 the sun would kind of like rise slowly again. So it's very, very beautiful to see, but, you know, the winters get dark here, so we spend as much time outside as we can.
0: Wow, that's something I don't think we will ever experience in in Africa, except if some crazy thing happens with climate change. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You never
0: know. You never know. You never know. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And look, I'm really excited about the platform, your digital health innovation, which we are about to talk about. And it's not a digital health innovation in the traditional sense, uh, as in something that would directly benefit patients. It is more of an ed tech platform that you have created for health education and health professionals. So, it's really something that I'm excited to to learn about. But let's start by talking a little bit about yourself. Who is Frida?
1: Right. So, Frida is a a global health professional, a social impact enthusiast. I and I love traveling. I love seeing um, and understanding other, you know, cultures and behaviors. And why people do the things they do. And I think that's what really led me into healthcare aside from my compassionate self, Um, just really learning about healthcare behaviors and why we make the decisions that we do, um, and how that results in for better or worse healthcare outcomes. So that's a bit about myself. I mean, If we get a little bit more personal, I am from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, I was born in Kinshasa, and I moved at a young age to Boston, and that's where I grew up, and then moved up to New Hampshire, did my undergraduate there, and then moved to London, back to the U.S. So you can say I I bounce around a lot, um, and that is really reflective of my vast, kind of skill set and experience, um, and just the way how I, having been in so many different places to acquire different types of knowledge and trying to piece together, you know, what it is that Frida Katunda, now Olsen, wants to leave in this world, you know, leave behind. What footprint do I want to leave behind regarding um, positive health outcomes?
0: Wow. So you're a truly global citizen from Kinshasa to, to the U.S. And, and now in Oslo. So how did that journey lead you to a place where you uh, founded this amazing startup known as Leap EdTech?
1: Yeah, so this is my, a lot of it stems from my own personal story. So I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was born in Kinshasa and I moved to the U.S. at a very young age. And the reason why we moved was because I had malaria. And this was in 1990 when there was a military uprising in the Congo And everything was closed, you know, hospitals were closed, everything, you couldn't access anything. And I needed an immediate blood transfusion. So luckily, my mom, um, Congolese, but born in the US, we were able to get on flights to the United States. And I immediately got that blood transfusion. And the rest is history from there. So when I heard that story at a young age, it just really stuck with me. And I remember when I went, I was at the tail end of high school, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do, I wanted to be in some health capacity, but I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. I said, you know, maybe a pediatrician. Anyways, I kept going back and forth. Then I went to the University of New Hampshire, entered in as an undecided on my major and found healthcare management. And that really stuck out to me because there I was able to understand, you know, how can we make healthcare accessible? And. And linking that back to my background, you know, I didn't have access to a blood transfusion in Kinshasa. It wasn't until I came to the US US, um, and had that access to care. So that kind of led to one thing after another and understanding that how the importance of the continuum of care circle, access, quality, and cost. Yeah. And then later kind of move that into public health.
0: <laughs> wow. I find it absolutely fascinating, but also very interesting that, that even at such a young age, right, people begin to form ideas about, you know, where their future is going to lie. And in your case, and in the case of quite a number of my guests, it was that childhood experience that sort of inspired them to, to get into healthcare. And, and your story is actually quite uh, fascinating because you had to go all the way to the U.S. just for a transfusion. On one hand, that was quite lucky of you to be able to afford to do that. I mean, many children don't have that opportunity, but on the other hand, it's also telling you know, about the glaring gaps in the healthcare system on the continent. So glad that that has inspired you and brought you to a place where you want to give back to the continent through your talent. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. Tell us about your innovation, the Leap EdTech platform.
1: Yes. So Leap is a healthcare capacity building platform for health professionals across Africa. We partner with international universities and organizations who provide us healthcare content that is already made um, and created from their end. And also we work together to contextualize that content as well to really make it local and relevant to the realities on the ground. And once that is complete, we lift it up onto our platform that is mobile friendly because we recognize that many users across the continent, when they access things online, it's primarily through their mobile phone. So that is uploaded on our platform and students can enroll for a small fee or a free course depending on what partner we have offering that course. And they can begin learning at their own pace, at their own time, because we also recognize that there are a lot of competing priorities, right? We could have users that are working in the informal sector and have odd hours and can't really schedule time to be online learning at a particular hour as they would maybe in a traditional class. Classroom setting, So it's really flexible for the end user. And we have a number of courses now from healthcare management, community health, nutrition, and how we choose the particular topics are through extensive market research and um, talking to many people, folks on the ground who help us understand, you know, what are the pressing needs, the gaps that need to be filled regarding education on a particular health subject matter. and. To wrap it up, we are currently operating in Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, and South Africa. And the reason for these four countries is because the adoption of online technologies is higher in these countries. And we've seen a number of positive you know, traffic onto our site from these countries as well. And I particularly Nigeria. So that's been interesting to learn about and see um, and understand why that is.
0: Great stuff. I, I think if I'm hearing you correctly, Leap EdTech is essentially the Coursera or EdX for for health education. But before we go into a bit more detail about it, what makes Leap EdTech different from existing platforms?
1: Yes, that's a great question. What makes us different is that we are focused on healthcare in particular. A lot of platforms are out there really focused on STEM and business, which is fantastic. You know, we need more stem knowledge out there but we also there there is also a huge healthcare gap globally not just in Africa and we we recognize that so our niche area really makes us different from other platforms And the healthcare platforms that are out there are too few and far in between with different business models. And um, our business model is unique from your Coursera's, your edX's, because we really work on contextualizing the content that we have to make sure that whoever is going through a course in Accra or in Nairobi can, at the end of that course, take what they've learned and be able to easily apply it to their environment because they are familiar with set examples in that course, because that's what they're living every day, versus a course that came straight off the shelf that has way too many, let's say, Western references that really aren't applicable to them. So that's really our unique proposition there is the contextualization and our niche approach.
0: Yeah, I think contextualization is absolutely critical. I I remember this one course I took online and it was an amazing course, but a lot of the examples that the lecturers and facilitators of the course were giving, I, I just struggled. I struggled as as someone living in Africa to relate with them. So I think having, you know, a program that is contextualized or a platform that, you know, takes contextualization seriously, I think that is an absolute game changer. But I think we missed a key step in our conversation. And so let me take one or two steps back and ask, who is your target audience for this platform? I get it that it's health professionals in general, but of course that is such a a broad category. So within that broad range of health professionals, who are your key primary uh, targets uh, with this platform?
1: Yes. So we have a lot of our users and our target market are healthcare professionals who are looking to upskill themselves to gain more knowledge in their in their field or they might have a particular interest people who are transitioning from one area of healthcare to another but don't have don't know how or don't have the introductory knowledge to be able to say yes I actually do want to make a switch from let's say a hospital setting to a community health setting and another big target group of ours are actually students I would say many of them are students And they're enrolled in healthcare courses, whether it's medicine or a different type of health track. And they are looking for courses to supplement their current education. We had a number of students say to us that the courses that we offer, actually, you know, they're not learning that in their traditional classroom. So it's nice that they found a platform like ours to be able to access additional knowledge in their field of study to make them more competitive and of course knowledgeable for after graduation when they're entering the workforce.
0: No, that's absolutely amazing. And I, I think back to when I was in medical school, well, I mean, it's, it's such a long time ago <laughs> and and online learning was not really a thing, but I could certainly have done with a platform such as yours to augment a lot of things, a lot of classes that, you know, because, you know, the medical cu- school curriculum is, is quite hectic, it's quite packed, right? So quite an, a number of things are, I'd say, almost rushed, right? And so having a, an additional source of learning, I think that is, that would have been a great, and I'm sure the students are, are loving it. So let's go into a little bit more detail, right? Let's say I'm a medical student or a nurse or anyone who's interested in, in health education. Walk us through step by step. How do we access your platform and what can they expect from start to finish?
1: So we know that many of our students are on Facebook. So we have our particular ads running on Facebook for our target audiences. To give you an example of what a user profile is, is we have a first year graduate from Nigeria who is a nutrition student. And in her curriculum, she's not learning about chronic illnesses, but she knows that chronic illnesses are on the rise across the continent. So when she sees an ad for nutrition and chronic disease on Facebook provided by Leap, that sparks an interest. And she is then linked to the information of that course on our site. And she sees that it would only take her a couple of hours to complete. She has the flexibility of doing it at her own pace because she is enrolled in another traditional degree program. And the cost is within her budget. And so she makes that purchase and begins learning. So as soon as you purchase a course, you can begin learning right away. And there, it's broken out into several modules. And at the end of that course, the student receives a certificate of completion with the university logo that offered it alongside Leap. The name, um, a unique certificate ID that only belongs to her. And she's able to share this completion on social media channels, whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, to show her peers what she's completed and to make herself competitive while she's maybe applying for internships during the duration of her nutrition degree program. So that's a overall insight into what a student user looks like.
0: Got it. So uh, I'm guessing that for the time being, you're primarily offering like short courses, uh, certificate courses. Is the plan to eventually have degree courses, degree programs, diplomas, etc.?
1: Yes. So we yes, we offer non-credited short courses, and our long-term plan is to offer degree programs. Starting off first with professional certificates, which kind of focus more on the allied healthcare profession. So it could take anywhere from six to 12 months. And then afterwards, our long term plan is to begin incorporating degree programs that can be done online. And I do want to mention that, you know, two, it's very important to highlight two barriers, right, that we will face as we roll out these various different offerings, which is healthcare regulatory bodies, which we're very much aware of, and the importance for hands on learning, because this is health, we already, dealing with human lives here and in order to really understand beyond the theory there is a huge importance for practical experience and so with the regulatory bodies we are working and speaking with the appropriate ministries in the countries that we're operating in so that when we do roll out professional certificates they are in line with the standard and the practices and and compliant with that country's rules. And when it comes to the hands-on approach and learning experience, for example, if we offer a professional certificate in nursing assistant, the nurse knows how to run the practice make sure a lot of the admin stuff can get done. You can learn that online, but it's very different from when you're in a practice with limited resources and figuring out how to juggle many different priorities. So here we are working on partnering with on-the-ground clinics and hospitals so that we're able to send our students who are enrolled in the nursing assistant program in the future to these places for internships or practicum experiences so that they're able to get that hands-on knowledge and graduate successfully and be prepared uh, when they enter the workforce.
0: Got it, got it. So so let's talk about, you know, accreditation. Uh, And I think that is very key when you're dealing with uh, health and allied health courses and programs. But in terms of the institutions and the universities that you've already onboarded so far to provide courses and uh, through the platform, how is that going? Which institutions do you have so far on your roster? Um, And what are the plans to get more?
1: So we have the University of North Texas Health Science Center as our partner. Um, They have a number of courses with us already, and they are one of the biggest health research institutions in the United States. So having them join us and be also, you know, really passionate about what we're doing has been tremendous. And we are also working with the Health Science Academy in South Africa. They have a lot of content and education around professional development, and they too receive many folks from across the continent that know who they are, that access their, their content. But of course, sometimes, no matter how popular you might be, it's still hard to reach certain corners of, of Africa and so them partnering with us we're able to reach those corners that they can't get to and you know expand that access of education so that's wonderful and we are also working with Healthfy which is a telehealth company that is based in Colombia and they primarily focus on telehealth services around physiotherapy and this would be a Fantastic in terms of, you know, as we're, we're all moving towards this digital way of life, um, and tele- telehealth has been around for quite a while, but in some parts of the world, not so much. So, introducing that mode delivery of care to our user base and what c- that can do to improve health outcomes has been also really, really fantastic. So, those are our, some of our partners. And we also have supporting partners who are the European Social Fund and the Berlin Senate that have supported us financially to keep leave going. And also we have had support from the London School of Economics. Accelerator Program and UNICEF Ghana as well. So it's really fantastic to get all of these institutions behind us. And especially when it comes to the university or organization partners who provide us that content because they are accredited where they are and we're offering non-credited courses. It gives our user a sense of relief that, okay, like this institution is, you know, one of the biggest research institutions in the United States and I'm able to to learn from them. Though it's not going to give me a university credit, but I could still walk away saying that I've gained new knowledge in an area from UNT Health Science Center.
0: So, Do you work with the universities and academic institutions in developing the content or do they already have to have developed their own content and are just looking for a platform to reach a a wider audience? I'm asking about this because let's say I am a local university somewhere in Africa and I want to have my content on your platform. Do I have to have developed it myself or can you help me walk through that process?
1: As of right now, the content is already developed. Where we come in is that localization part. So for our partners that aren't located in Africa, we walk them through the process of localizing the content that they already have prepared a bit more so that our African users are able to, you know, relate to it easily. And We have had a number of potential partners across Africa who have asked us, you know, this is fantastic. I have something, but I need help. I don't have the resources to put together a course. Can you do that? And so this is something that we want to offer. We just need, you know, a little bit more resources in order to do that. But we recognize that there is that need out there and that we will address it definitely.
0: Yes, I, I think it's it's very important, right? You know, we are in an era where we talk about decolonizing knowledge, right? And so we don't want to create a, a situation where the only knowledge that is on your platform is generated from one part of, of the world, right? So obviously you want to create opportunities for knowledge to be generated from within the continent, from other developing contexts, uh, etc. So I'm glad to hear that that is the ultimate goal. So I, I know you've already alluded to the issue of regulation and accreditation accreditation, but What are the challenges that you have faced? I would imagine that there are also some technological constraints. I recall this one guest uh, that I was speaking with on the podcast, and he talked about how this application that they designed in the context of the U.S., when they tried to test it in an African context, it just didn't work, right, because of the internet, connectivity issues, et cetera, et cetera. So how are you taking such issues into consideration? And what other challenges have you faced along the way?
1: Yes the the issue of connectivity has been a has been one that keeps us up definitely and you know when we we speak to when we speak to people they ask okay people in you know the city or surroundings of cities will most likely have have access to your platform and we've done a number of Of surveys that people do have appropriate connectivity to access our platform. However, the more, the further we go out into the regions where something like this is, you know, of the utmost need, that's when it gets difficult. And so we have been really exploring ways on how to make the platform available in an offline setting. Obviously, we are restricted in some areas, but If a user enrolls in a course when they are connected to the internet, and let's say they go back home, which is outside of of the city, and their internet connection is a bit spotty. They're able to, because when they first accessed the course online, they downloaded the materials, and in offline, you could still read those materials. So that's the first step that we're taking. It doesn't address the entire issue of being able to fully do learnings online. I think that's something that many people are trying to tackle, but at least we can um, address a component of that as the the moment you do get connection, you download your materials, and then you're able to read them offline. But we now, we know that downloading um, can be really expensive. So how do we, it's, you know, you try to fix one thing and it's like, Great, but then it has a consequence on the other end. So, there, that's really where we are sitting down and identifying okay, we need to work with a telecommunications agency. The infrastructure in Africa is massive and something that we can't do on our own. We need support through those who have the resources to reach people in all different corners of the continent. So, partnering with a teleco is what we need to do in order for our platform to be accessed in the way that we want it to be and also affordable because, like I said, downloading content can be quite. Expensive. Um, Even just accessing the internet on your phone is expensive. So, if this is a social initiative partnered with a telco wanting to improve community health outcomes, it would be fantastic to get reduced or even free rates for those who use the Leap platform through a telco partner. So that's how we want to address that issue of connectivity. And I can probably go on um, with some with some other stuff, but that's uh, a real, real
0: important one. No, it absolutely is. And you, and you are right. The the telcos can play, I would say, even a catalytic or transformative role in terms of ensuring that platforms such as yours gets to those that do, just don't have the means to afford uh, internet connectivity, et cetera. Though I guess that they get a lot of requests from, from other providers who are also uh, looking to them to sort of subsidize their services, make it more accessible. But I think that you have a very strong case, right? Education is something that we need to democratize. And I think digital technologies obviously can play a very strong role in, in helping us achieve that. So I'm sure the telcos will, will give you a listening ear if, if you can get through the door. So So all the best with that. So tell me then, what have been the milestones that you have achieved? so far and that you're most proud of?
1: Yes. So the milestones that we have achieved so far that I'm proud of are having users sign up to courses. I think that and getting their feedback when they complete the course, because that tells us that, you know, we are definitely on to something and this is what we're offering is beneficial to those who are enrolled in the course and my second milestone something that i'm proud of is the team that we are creating and we've been able to because you know we we don't really have much to offer we have we have a platform you know we're not backed by some huge vc but we've been able to attract really talented individuals who are skilled in their areas of product and education and research because they they believe in what we're doing and It's so important that as co-founders, you know, you have people around you who are smarter than you in, in areas and they definitely are. And we're able to learn from them, learn from each other and really continue to build something great. So just hearing user testimonials and the team that we're creating are two biggest milestones that I'm very, very happy with.
0: Got it. Like I said earlier, I think your platform has tremendous potential. And, and if I had it back in my day in medical school, <laughs> who knows, maybe I'd be the director general of, of the WHO. By now. <laughs> no, but but seriously, though, uh, I'm really rooting for the success of this platform. I think it's a platform whose time has come and that there is a clear need for such a platform to continue to add value to strengthening human resource uh, capacity uh, on, on the continent. So, so let me ask, one last question. What next for this platform?
1: What next is we are continuing to refine our product to make it the best that it can possibly be in the stage that we're in. And one of the things that we're looking forward to, right, is really getting past the hurdle of the connectivity, the technology piece that I spoke of earlier, and also just more recognition across the continent. I don't want to reveal too much because we're working on stuff, but I would say, you know, continue to keep an eye out on what we're doing. I think we're going to continue to turn heads. And I think people will be really happy with our next rollout of what we're working on. So just stay tuned.
0: Great stuff. No, thank you so much, Frida, for your time. It's been an absolute delight uh, having you on the show. And look, I always extend this invitation to to my guests. If you ever happen to be in Nairobi, I know uh, you've rolled out here, but if you ever come visiting, please look me up for coffee.
1: I definitely will, Samuel. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you found today's episode enjoyable and insightful. If you have any thoughts on this episode or recommendations of African health tech innovators that you'd like me to host on the show, please reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Twitter, or email by the links in this episode's show notes. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to MedTech Africa on your preferred podcast app. And if you have a moment, please leave us a great review because it really helps other people to find the show. Thanks again. I'm your host, Sam Oti, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.